Hey guys, welcome to episode four of the Aquascaping Podcast. I'm your host, Jay Art. Hope your week's going well. Hope your aquascapes are looking good. We're now officially on the iTunes store, so you can go there and subscribe, as well as rate and leave a review. Today's going to be part one of an ongoing series on style and design. Okay, so one of the things that we overlook sometimes is the environment. Is it a natural environment for the fish and the inhabitants uh, in the tank? And do they work together uh, in the design? I have a quote here from one of Amano's books that says, The shape and behavior of an animal are often the result of the unique development that enabled it to adapt to the environmental conditions of its habitat. Now that's pretty interesting. And a couple pages later, he talks about being down in the Amazon uh, in an area where there was a lot of fallen driftwood, and he came across a school of angelfish. And we all know angelfish are tall and typically have those vertical stripes. Well, they blended right into the silhouettes of the driftwood, and he realized that was through years of evolution. And he worked that into the design of his future aquascapes. And it dawned on him, and it, and it should dawn on us, that the, uh, you know, the patterns and the shapes of animals in general, but you know, aquatic animals as well, uh, there's a purpose behind them. And the environment that they come from uh, has something to do with that. So when we're planning out, you know, what fish should we get for our aquascape, maybe that should be the very first thing. Maybe we should say, what fish do I want for my aquascape, and how do I build an environment and a design around that? Hello. Hey, hello. How do you create a vision? Um, I think the way I did it originally when I was trying to figure out, you know, what kind of aquascape I wanted to set up uh, is I went on, I just went on Pinterest and I searched aquascape and I just made a board. And what I did was just look for a pattern in the aquascapes that uh, I was liking to see if there was any similarities. And that was kind of like my first step into kind of, I guess, creating a vision. But but what's your process? How, how do you go about doing that? My vision or how I develop a vision for scapes I'm going to do is kind of evolved as I've progressed through the hobby. I think when I first started, it was about um, seeing different things I liked online and then trying to um, collect the, the hardscape um, to get an approximation of that style or that look. Um, but I never really put up a reference um, aquascape or tried to emulate something outright. Uh, sometimes that's a lot of what I would recommend when people just begin just to s- learn how to, how to create an image uh, in your tank. Uh, but for me, it's, it's a much more um, informal process. Uh, now what I'm doing a lot more is I am trying to take time to browse through looking at scapes and um, kind of analyzing them in a more uh, thoughtful way, looking at what plants they're using and in what positions and how are those plants growing um, and compared and p- comparing them to, you know, the, the, the negative space and, and all of these ideas that, that help present 
the look of the tank and also seeing and thinking about, yeah, what scapes am I most attracted to? Which ones do I enjoy looking at the most? Um, you know, I've been thumbing through a lot of that uh, Nature Aquarium works by Amano and I've come to realize that my perception or my understanding of what a nature scape was may have been a little skewed because I was looking at it through the lens of what other people thought it was. And right. so um, it was almost like I was copying copies. Um, and, and to some extent, you know, some people have done a really great job developing their style. I mean, there's some folks I can think of that definitely have distinct styles um, that you can look at a tank and, and be pretty close at thinking, you know, knowing hey, that looks like an Oliver Knott tank or that looks like a James Finley tank or a George Farmer tank or a Tom Barr tank. I mean, there's definitely some looks, some styles hardscape preferences and things like that that play into what people um, people like to make. And I think that's when you really get up to um, a really advanced level. You're able to really develop your own style. Um, up to that point, it's, it's really, I think, to create the vision of your tank, to look at a lot of other tanks, look at a lot of other, uh, look at a lot of other scapes that you like and see what you can do with what you have or what you can get a hold of. Because oftentimes, the most limiting thing for, for hobbyists is going to be availability of hardscape or resources to build that tank, to make that look. And so, um, if you can look at the elements of the scape and what is making that, that um, vision, uh, then you can try and emulate that with what you have available. Imana was first a photographer, so by the time he came around to making his first aquascape, he already had ingrained in him years and years of experience with compositional rules, highlights, uh, shadows, you know, all those elements were organic to him by that time. Now, what if we struggle with, you know, finding uh, basic shapes and, uh, you know, what if we're not a photographer or an artist, how can we develop these skills? One way of doing it is learning to see it in other people's work. So if we go online and find some aquascapes you know, that we like, pull them into a photo editing program and apply a pretty heavy blur to it. And what you'll notice is the more that you blur the image, the more it'll start to break down into its most basic form. And usually very basic shapes will start to emerge. Uh, most often uh, triangles. So try that out and, and, and start to notice uh, how these shapes are used and how we can use them in our own aquascapes. It's time for another aquascaping podcast quick tip. Today's tip is using a soft bristle toothbrush to remove the algae from your silicone seams. Unlike a flat razor or other more abrasive uh, tools, this will not damage the silicone seams of your aquascape. What is your take on the current state uh, of aquascaping? What trends do you kind of see developing now? Um, you know, and where do you see it going? I, I've seen a lot of these dioramas type, type uh, scapes coming out. Uh, people yeah. using a lot of really dominant hardscapes. Um, with what I would consider minimal plantings, uh, you know, there's just some um, HC in there, some hair grass, or maybe some really shortcut uh, stems. They're going for this open, almost literal landscape look. Um, I'm seeing a lot of that. Uh, and I kind of missed some of those scapes when I first entered the hobby where they were 
you know, you couldn't really say whether it was an underwater scene or an above water scene. It was really up to whoever looked at it. Where now on these diorama style skates don't leave a lot of room for interpretation. And it's my personal taste that that I don't really prefer that style, but I'm seeing a lot of it in um, it leans heavily on a really strong hardscape. So if you have a lot of stones, a lot of rock, uh, you can definitely do some really cool stuff with it. Uh, most of us as hobbyists who aren't pros uh, have a hard time gathering that much rock, that much stone, um, at least all in one go. It takes a while, and it took me a long while to start building up my collection of stones and hardscape. Uh, so I think we'll see more of it. Um, hopefully for me, I hope it's kind of a, a fad thing um, because I'd like to see a kind of a, a return to, to some of those things that I would consider that nature aquarium esque uh, style where it is up to the viewer, what they're seeing and, and uh, the scaper isn't telling them what they're seeing. One thing we want to also add into our aquascaping design is contrast. We're going to want to, you know, some highlight points and some shadow points. Not only are the shadows good for the uh, the creatures, uh, the fish and the inhabitants inside the aquarium, um, but it also adds a layer of complexity to our design. So that's definitely something you want to add into uh, your planning uh, is uh, shadows, highlights, and contrast. And where do you uh, collect your, your, your hardscape materials? Um, you know, I had a question. I mean, actually, in my yard, there's, there's a ton of rock and stuff that looks like it would be, you know, I could use that to make a, uh, a scene. But um, how do I know if those rocks are good to use? Or, or where, where do you collect your hardscape materials? Yeah, well, you'll find yourself as you're in the hobby, as you go out in nature on a hike or, or a trip or something, you're going to start looking at mosses and rocks and wood a, a completely different way. Right. You're going to say, can I take this home? Will this work in my tank? How would that look? Um, for me, I am living in North Dakota here in a, in a pretty uh, fertile river basin without much stone or rocks around. Um, and anything that I can find is pretty worn, not very interesting, um, or very like granite and things like that. Uh, right. So I don't collect a lot locally. Unfortunately, I have to end up buying a lot of my stone, um, but you can find good deals out there um, for, for sourcing some Surya stone. Um, I mean, my all-time favorite set of Surya stone I got when I first started in the hobby that I bought from Aquaforest Aquarium, and they just sent some really cool rocks. I've used them in escape uh, in probably three or four different scapes. Um, two of my contest scapes has had, have had those stones in them. So, oh, cool. Um, I think there's an advantage to sometimes getting them that way. You have to pay kind of a premium price. Uh, as far as stones in your backyard or all around, the, the things you try want to try to avoid in a planet tank are things made of limestone, uh, as I'm talking about, Sirius stone. Um, <laughs> the, things that are going to start to um, increase the, uh, the hardness of your water, change the water chemistry a little bit. Um, it's not a big deal if it, if it does that, but things like limestone are going to definitely raise your, your hardness level, which is going to make injecting CO2 a little more difficult because um, your hardness will change over time. I know in my tank, the, I have a bunch of Surya stone in it, and at the start of a water change day, it starts at 7 degrees, KH, uh, and then by the end of the week, um, seven to 10 days later, I'm up at 
you know, 14, 15 degrees KH. Oh, wow. And so it changes the chemistry quite a bit. Um, wood, I mean, I think as long as you're getting hardwoods, you're, you're okay. Manzanita is a great one. You can find that out for sale a lot on forums. Um, you know, I found uh, garden supply stores, uh, landscaping stores that have kind of decorative rock. You can find some cool stuff there. Lava rock's pretty easy to get a hold of there. I know I bought some big pieces of lava rock and busted them up with a hammer in my garage before. Um, but I mean, for collecting things naturally, most of the time you don't run into a problem with stone. Um, I've heard, and I, I don't know how true this is, that you want to kind of avoid uh, the fool's gold. What's the uh, what's fool's gold called? Erythrocyte or something like that? I can't remember. That, that's kind of like a flaky rock when you crack it open. Yeah, you want to avoid that. I've heard that can um, leach some material that can be harmful to aquatic life in your tank. I've heard, you know, you probably want to avoid conifer trees, wood from conifer trees. It's better to get hardwood deciduous. All right, I'm going to wrap up the show here. Thank you for tuning in, and thank you for subscribing on iTunes. Uh, I hope you got something out of this episode. Don't forget to send in your aquascaping photos to aquascapingpodcast at gmail.com. We'll be setting up a gallery on the website, and I'd love to feature your work. It doesn't matter if you're a beginner or advanced. We're all in this thing together, uh, so don't be afraid. Uh, send them in, and I look forward to seeing what you're working on. All right, have a good week, everybody, and we'll talk to you soon. <laughs>